0: Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.
1: A chance to catch our breath after back-to-back nights of Flames and Jets. We get a night off before the third installment of this series gets going. Welcome to Hockey Central at Noon, everyone. Peter Klein, Logan Gordon with you today. Plenty of talk about the Flames' loss to the Winnipeg Jets, as apparently these two teams can only play in one goal games this year. Uh, Corey Sarge will be joining us at the bottom of the hour. Plenty of room for your texts at 960-960, but let's kick this show off the way we do every Hockey Central at Noon, and that's a chat with Lou.
0: Flames Insider Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group, now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit geminigroup.ca.
2: For us, I think the priority more is uh, is getting our starts under control and being ready to play and um, the other stuff I think will come.
1: Mr. Labardius, uh once again, we are talking about getting things going for the Calgary Flames, starting on time, if you will, as the, the battle back has been there, but the need to battle back has also been there, and that starts to get a, a little bit concerning with this group.
0: Well, there are some patterns, but let's, like, I generally do flesh it out a little bit. So, mm-hmm. the definition of starting on time is not, I think, as clear in some ways as the numbers would suggest. So starting on time can mean different things. Here is the disturbing part, Peter, in a sense. So the Flames, over the last couple of years, they've only scored the first goal in a game three times out of nine this year. Last year, the numbers said that they were in the lower echelon of scoring first in a game. So the difference for me isn't necessarily, are you haven't we seen, even in their worst game of the year, which was Montreal last Thursday, it wasn't that their first four or five minutes weren't good, because that is part of, isn't it? starting on time. But when a monkey wrench is thrown at you and the other team responds, then isn't it about how we then respond when the game goes in a different direction? So look at last night again. Did they push early? Yes. Did they create chances? Yes. Did it lead to a power play? Absolutely yes. But in a sense, was the problem not the fact that at the end of a power play, they made a critical mistake and those happen. Mistakes happen. But how did it get to two? Well, it got to two because 30 seconds later your response on the bump up wasn't what it needed to be and now you're down a pair of goals. So you're fighting an uphill battle the rest of the night you you don't want to put yourself in a situation because what happens in the game when you're fighting an uphill battle do you think your group gets to dictate to the other or do they get to dictate to you oh they get to dictate to you for sure they do get to dictate to you and in every game every adjustment every team listen this isn't about planning this isn't about preparation this isn't about whether coaching staffs get people ready to do what they have to do again for me that's bunk the patterns become in when you change certain people certain items why aren't you executing better with what you know? That to me in in every aspect of life is the difference. We can know what it is. You know, we can tell ourselves, we can learn all of that stuff. We can have a plan. But if you go out in a game and the minute your plan goes a little astray some nights, you let it turn into a bigger problem than what it should be. Now the rabbit hole that you've dug gets deep. It can get real deep and it's, it's not a good place. You know, every, the numbers for me that always matter. And while people sometimes think that matter numbers don't matter to me. Yeah, they do matter to me because you can go back in the history of time and, Look at how a team does when it leads going into the third period. That's a big one for me. How teams, by and large, do when they score first. Those are big ones for me. A lot of the other stuff in between, you know, there's a lot of what factor and a lot of numbers in hockey today. But you better be able to take some of those numbers and explain why and help me understand why the patterns don't change. And patterns aren't about numbers and the analysis of numbers. It's about the execution of what the numbers and how they can get you to a better place. There isn't one person listening right now that can't go, the Flames have been down 2 nothing in four of their last five games or have gotten off to tough starts. Peter, we can discuss that. So the next two questions are how come and how do you get it to a better place? That to yeah. me, you know, right now, and it's not a new story, is, okay. is kind of a bit of an overriding theme of patterns that creep in. And the reason we keep having conversations like this And we will continue until what happens? Until some of the patterns go away. And they're not going away overnight, by the way. That's the other thing. As sports fans, we just want, you know, we want to add this guy and we want to add this guy and we want to tinker. Or, you know, without being disrespectful, don't we always have a tendency to hang issues on the same place? Always easy, I find, that it's on the coach. That that seems to always be an easy place, including myself, over the years. Not with hockey, necessarily, because it's different for me with hockey. I, I I value coaches immensely. Coaches have allowed me to be on this program every day at noon, and hockey people and whether you're a scout or you're a player or a GM, I get to do what I get to do, not because I played the game at a high, high level, but because I, I watch and I study, and I'm so lucky that I get to learn from the best people at their craft at the highest level. And the frustration for all of those same people, including the players, is how do we break out of the patterns and how do we do it different and how do we challenge ourselves to do it different so we don't have to answer these questions anymore.
1: hmm And I think the frustrating part, at least for me anyway, is again, and I probably incorrectly used the phrase starting on
0: time because they did, like their, their first few no, minutes. You, and no, you didn't. Kind of a- you didn't, Peter, because I just say this, Yes, yeah, starting on time is is for sure, it's a, it's a place Jeff Ward goes to often. Mm-hmm. But, but I think the overall thing is staying with your start on time. Yeah. and And the longer you can stay with it, and even if there's a bump in the road, like staying with your game in a 60-minute game, the more you stay within your game and in your structure and that doesn't waver, that gets you the best results. And, and there, as we know, we talk about it every day on this show, there's going to be pendulum swings in every game. But when they get to be mistimed, mismanaged, then the deficit grows. And, and, and the battling back takes its toll. So let's, let's get to phase two today along these lines. So last night, you go shaky start. Even though you had lots of chances in the first, you're down, you're down 3-1. Because what you left turned into more trouble than what you were able to take. But you know where the and, and then we can talk, can't we, about the pushback and the fight and that stuff's all good. Listen, Johnny Gaudreau game on his stick, Laurent Brassois, fifteen seconds to go prevents the game from you know getting to extra and the Flames taking that pushback to overtime and a point or maybe two. But don't lose what's in the middle, and the middle was in the second period. And the Jets, did the Jets not kind of do a lot to the Flames what Montreal did with a two-goal lead? Did they not shut it down and shut down the middle and force turnovers and had five shots on goal to defend? So in a sense, in a 60-minute game, in the middle portion, your pushback, which really wasn't how you wanted to play. That was the period where you really didn't want to play. So come the third, now I'm, in a, I'm still in the same hole I was in after the first. And the most interesting comment to me, and there have been players over the years, including a guy that appears on this radio station that I, I will, when I had a chance in the room, I would go to. You know, Robin Regeer, back in the day, when I really wanted somebody to to cut to the chase, was a guy that I knew in the right situation when it was difficult, he was going to give me the goods. Matt Stajan was a guy that always made it really crystal clear and understandable. He was a go-to guy for me when it was hard. Now, the next chapter for me, in a lot of ways, is Derek Ryan. And Derek Ryan always seems to beautifully be able to put in place when it's hard and why it's difficult. So here's Derek on the second period. And the key word for me in this clip is stubborn.
2: The structure that we're successful in and through the neutral zone isn't a pretty game. It's uh... Usually, you know, making sure we just get pucks behind their D, and we get stubborn in that we like to try to carry pucks through their neutral zone four check. And in their four check, they have three guys spread across the blue line. It's pretty hard to carry pucks in. We do it sometimes, and we create offense, but we get stubborn, and we want to do it more often. And I think that's when we turn pucks over and I don't know what the analytics are but I think Winnipeg's probably one of the best teams in the league at that transition game in the neutral zone and we feed that we fuel that with those turnovers so that's what I mean by that
1: and it's a good summary of something that we've talked about a little bit that that middle of the ice and again that um what the the flames do well when they are going well. And it, it Derek Ryan, I think, summed that up perfectly.
0: You stay connected in all three zones. You support the puck. And as Jeff talks about a lot, don't shrink the ice on yourself. That that plays right into the hands of your opponent. The same way they want to try to make you defend all hundred 102- two all 200 feet of the ice you want to make them defend all 200 feet of the ice they especially with the lead they just they want to shrink the ice on you the game really analytically wherever you want to go with it is about time and space and how you use it and how you take it away and so in the second period that's where the game got in the mud and that was okay, They, you know, thanks to David Riddick, who his best work was in the second period, and he slammed the door shut. Um, and that's a big part of the game, because goalies are your team, a big part of your team for sure. We know that. We have that discussion all the time. But as much as it's easy to focus on the foibles in the first and the pushback in the third, not getting to your game earlier where the jets shrunk the ice also took 20 minutes and shrunk the game and and you'll shrink every game that you can and impose your will when you're up by two goals chatting with
1: our flames insider peter lavardi is here on hockey central at noon sportsnet 960 the fan i'm peter klein to continue the Riddick portion of the conversation here's logan gordon
3: yeah, I just wanted to, to touch on what you made of David's performance last night is coming off of what wasn't exactly a great one for him in his first start of the season. I thought he was he was strong last night and kept the team in it, but there just hasn't been much run support for him in his two starts this year.
0: So run support, Logan, would be one term. I would say the Flames have not put their best foot forward especially early that to me is the common denominator in both the Winnipeg game and the Montreal game is they found themselves at the end of first periods in both of those games down two to nothing now could you say that David played a big part in that small part somewhere in between well again it's your team gets to the best place it can with its ability to find consistency in how you play in front of, regardless of who it is. And guess what? Yes. Are there different reasons for why teams seem to prosper and don't prosper based on the goaltender and and his performance and then how you react? So I didn't even think Logan, the Montreal game, was really a game to analyze where David was concerned because they scored two um yes he gave up a shorthanded breakaway goal in that game in the second period but but his team that night in front of him really and then you know the Canadians at two nothing basically said okay we're not even all that concerned about generating a whole ton at the other end we're just going to keep our ice clean and take away your time and space. But last night I think was a real step forward for David because he allowed Logan, the pushback, his second period work. And we just talked about the second period, his second period work gave the flames a chance to push back. And so I think that was a really nice stepping stone for David and, you know, for him. But the thing you can't miss in the David Riddick story is a couple of things. So David Riddick has played some fantastic hockey for this team. In both years that he had some really, really good work, he did not have an opportunity to perform in the playoffs. And the reason he didn't is because Mike Smith, and Cam Talbot, and Cam Talbot came back last summer after the shutdown and, frankly, was more ready and was good down the stretch of the season, did great work, and then we know the story outside of Game 6. I think it's fair to say Cam Talbot was as good a playoff performer as they had. Now, though, on top of that for David, Now David has had to go through that, battle that mentally, and the team has a true number one goalie in Jacob Markstrom. So think about all the hoops and hurdles, not physically, but mentally. And now David's role is very different. And when people's roles and responsibility change, I think we have to cut them some slack in regards to going through that, getting some touches, you know, getting some games under his belt before we properly assess David Riddick's play. See so you, you can't lose you can't lose sight of how different the role and the situation is. That's not to say that in part He didn't, with his play, open the door for the team to go in a different direction. They did. They felt that they needed an upgrade, saw an opportunity, and they took it. And in Jacob Markstrom, he has rewarded the team in a lot of different ways. So now for David, it's about getting back to being at his best. It's going to take some time. And this answer, and even not just his answer, Logan, was interesting last night on the Zoom call when he was asked about his game, his confidence, and where this goes.
3: Why should why why should be frustrating? I mean, I play two games and uh, it was some some tough bounces, but it's a it's it's a hockey. It's it's gonna happen. So I'm preparing myself for every single game, but. Uh, what I'm gonna have, and uh, I'm gonna try to to make my best effort in that game and take how uh, how many wins I can. That's all how I'm looking at it. I'm not even frustrated. I'm, my confidence level is pretty good. I mean, the the guys can say I'm I'm pretty hard worker and uh, I'm working hard on the on the practice. So my confidence is fine, and I'm not even frustrated. That's all.
2: Yeah, I'll jump in there real quick, too, to second that. I think Dave has done a really good job in a probably a situation that he hasn't seen before, not comfortable with. He's been great around practice, working hard, and making sure he's positive. So I think that um, he's done a great job of that.
0: By the way, if you didn't recognize the voice, that was Derek Ryan. If, if people in our listening audience have ever wondered – Why Derek Ryan is a good teammate, understands the game, has been through every storm that could come his way on the road to the NHL, and even this year, trying to stay in the NHL. That's a guy who thinks it, processes it at a high, high level, and right there, even in that questioning, He saw his teammate, and what did he do? He went right to his aid. You don't think that wouldn't have mattered last night when they left that room to David Riddick? That's having somebody's back. That matters. That's what team is right there.
1: And uh, a perfect summary of who Derek Ryan is as well, too. Uh, on top of that, again, uh, a pretty good dude from all accounts. Uh, Lubo, thank you for this, sir. We will uh, once again we have a game day tomorrow as uh, we get to see uh, checks notes, Winnipeg Jets once again. So um, quite quite a familiar opponent. Looking forward to the game coming up tomorrow.
0: Thanks, guys. Have a great afternoon flames insider peter lubardius brought to you by the gemini group home renovations your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are give your home the gemini difference the gemini group now offering air miles reward miles visit GeminiGroup.ca.
1: All right, Logo and I did the question asking on this occasion, but Fridays we hand it over to you with Lou's mailbag. You can send in your questions at sportsnet.ca slash 960. Tune in Fridays at noon to see if yours is answered. If it is, $100 to Ruth's Chris will be yours. Winners will be selected weekly until the end of the regular season. Brought to you by Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, Calgary's best steakhouse located in the heart of downtown. Looking forward to celebrating with you again soon. Go, Flames, go. The Flames. Conversation continues with Corey Sarich as the defensive side of things once again, uh, once again in the spotlight for the Flames. We'll talk about that coming up next.
0: Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960, the Fan.
1: Off day for the Flames after a 3 2 loss at the hands of the Winnipeg Jets last night. We continue to break that down on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline with former Calgary Flame defenseman Corey Sarich. Corey, how are you today, sir?
4: I'm doing good right now. How are you, Peter?
1: Uh, I'm doing well, thank you very much. Uh, It's fitting that we've had you on to to break these games down to start the season because we've been able to talk a lot about things from the the Calgary Flames from a a defensive standpoint, and that seems to be uh, a lot of the focus. And last night, um, probably not the the best effort that we've seen from the Flames on the defensive side of things. Uh, In that end specifically, what did you see from Calgary last night?
4: Well, just, um, again, it it wasn't, it wasn't terrible off the start. I thought both teams came out of the gate and were were doing a pretty nice job of of keeping things fairly low key in their own end. Um, I believe Winnipeg was definitely the sharper team defensively. They just applied themselves. They seemed to have a little bit more concentration and, and uh, aggression in their own end last night. And as far as the Flames end, I, I'm just I, I can't put my finger on it, but something feels to be missing at certain times. The game before, everything felt like it was there. I don't know if it's like uh, an adjective like urgency, if it's a little more desperation, if it's just um, being a little bit more determined. I'm not sure what needs to happen, but uh, a few of the goals that they allowed early in the first, or partway through the first, pardon me, just just small defensive breakdowns here and there, and then allowing Winnipeg to gain momentum and, That game, you know, it came down to a span of just a few minutes and and then it, it proved to be too much for the Flames to overcome.
1: And I think that's a good point that it's not just like a complete lapse of defense all over the place overall that they play pretty well, but it's just these little blips that turn into these, whether it be odd man opportunities that we've discussed or a turnover or just something like it's just this little brain fart for a couple of seconds. And then all of a sudden it's leading to an opportunity that has to be a little bit frustrating.
4: Yeah. I, I like, and I just, I think it's, it's so easy to clean that stuff up, but it just, it takes concentration. Um, it's not taking your foot off the gas, right? And I know that's easier said than done. But again, I thought we had two great efforts from the Calgary Flames, and then again, not just defensive zone, but there's just a little, a little something missing, like on the on the shorthanded goal. Yes, Luchic turns it over, but Backlund's right there. He's slow to react, and then Dubay, he's got to realize. I know he's not a defender that. Rarely does a goal get scored from behind the goal line. So when the guys got the puck down there, we better be focused on who's filling the slot. And it's just such, that was such a killer for a momentum, for the confidence of the Calgary Flames. And then it led right away to another goal and boom, it's kind of, the game was over in two shifts, essentially.
1: Yeah. And we talked about the, the other day, the power play giving you momentum on the opposite end of that, I'm assuming as a shorthanded goal like that, that has to feel like just a, an absolute gut punch
4: on the bench. Yeah, it does. It it takes the wind out of your sails. It gets the other team fired up. Um, it, it's almost like a freebie, right? It's like spotting the other team mm-hmm. one and you just can't do it. And you, I mean, it, it couldn't have come at a worse time. They're both, both teams are trying to establish themselves in that game. Flames are supposed to be, you know, their power play has been dynamite. They're supposed to be out there slowly taking over the momentum, and it's a complete reversal.
1: And it kind of allowed Winnipeg, you talked about them being sharp defensively. I thought they did a good job of just taking the middle of the ice away. And we've discussed the, the flames inability to get to some tough areas at times. It felt like Calgary had the puck a lot, but just wasn't able to do anything because Winnipeg them to the outside. I'm, I'm imagining having a two goal cushion kind of helps you go into that defensive shell a little bit.
4: Yeah. And I think we saw just what you mentioned a lot towards the end of the game too, Peter, like, uh, I thought they did a good job in the first period. They built that lead. Then they, the, the Flames seemed to break through. Like in the second period, you've got the save by on, on the do on the Dubay breakaway by Bussois. Um Derek Ryan broke in with a nice clean opportunity. So they did find ways to get in there, but yeah, just in general, it was pucks from the outside. Um, Winnipeg was the team with more, I believe with more block shots at the end of that game, or at least, more noticeable, more critical block shots. So just those those little details of the game can can help sway the course of the game. And Flames did a nice job at the end to try to push through Winnipeg's defense, but got to give Brassois credit. He he made all the important saves when he had to. He wasn't overwhelmed, but he had some tough ones last night.
1: Chatting with Corey Sarich here on Hockey Central and new in Sportsnet 960, the fan. Peter Klein with you. We are also joined today
3: by Logan Gordon. Just to your point there, Corey, as I'm looking on NHL.com, block shots, Winnipeg 24, Calgary 10.
4: Yeah, I I didn't think it was that big, but that, that that speaks volumes.
3: Uh, and I'm just I'm just curious uh from a former NHLer's perspective, what goes into a good start? It feels like we've had this conversation with this group for a couple of coaches, maybe a couple of years, but but what really goes into that, Corey? Because especially this year, I, I don't know that I buy the especially last night, the back to backs. These guys have talked all year about how this schedule, you know, lets them optimize rest. There's not a whole lot of travel. It it doesn't feel like a traditional back to back in in that sense. What what goes into a good start? What leads to the flames sort of coming out flat like they have a lot of times this season?
4: I don't know what causes it, but I, I can just maybe try to pinpoint a few things that I saw that are missing. Let's compare to the game before everybody was taking the body or at least bumping um, lifting sticks, better back pressure. So on the offensive side of things, I felt like that was missing again. There just wasn't as much push. They weren't as frustrating to play against and they allowed it to be just again, a little too easy for Winnipeg. Winnipeg did a better job, but it did a better job asserting themselves in their own end, which resulted in opportunities for them. And, they push the play just more than the Flames did in the first period. That can't happen. And now if we take another crack at the defensive zone, for me, when I don't see guys skating in straight lines in the defensive zone, when there's lots of looping and turning, that just means you're not on. That means you're not applied. It, The defensive zone is hard work, and it's got to be stops and starts, straight lines. You can get away with that. You can get away with uh, angling and being more creative up at the other ends of the ice, but when that's missing in the defensive zone, uh, it it's just, again, it's application, being physical in your own end, stopping cycles, getting in guys' roads. And that, for me, that was the biggest thing that was missing. So if that comes down to just intensity and drive at the start of the game, I felt that something was missing last night for the Calgary Flames.
3: I'm curious about what you made of the D pairings last night in our afternoon show group chat. A couple of us were talking that – you know, the, the Hannafin-Tanev pairing has been so good this year. And, you know, Valimaki and Estoroff are are still pretty new. But it, it seems like there's almost a bit of a noticeable struggle at times for for Anderson and Geo. Did, did you notice any of that? I know it's still a fairly new pairing. And we're, you know, talking about guys who haven't played with each other a whole lot. But are you noticing a similar uh, thing there? It just doesn't seem to be clicking at 100% right now.
4: I don't know. I'm... Uh... I usually, usually when there's a ton of defensive blunders or pucks continually going in your net, that's your first telltale sign, obviously. Um, I thought they've defended quite well together. I, I don't know how you break up Hannafin and Tanev right now. Um, it it it's, as, as far as struggles, what, what were you guys talking about, Logan? What What's kind of coming up for you? What are the glaring things out there that are are, are setting you guys off? Well,
3: and, and PK, feel free to, to join in on, on me here. It just feels like they're just, and I I don't know necessarily about the, the straight line stuff, but it just feels like they're running around a bit in their own zone a bit, like when you're talking about some of those extended shifts in their zone, and I understand those are going to happen, but it, it kind of feels like that's the pairing that's that's getting that, and like I said, I guess that's going to happen when you play a, a Shifley or a Wheeler a lot of the time, but it just sort of felt like they were the ones that haven't been clicking as much for me. I don't know, PK. What did you, what did you think yeah. of those two?
1: Um, because I, I was the one that actually brought it up. Um, mm-hmm. I it just it kind of felt to me, and I I said in the group like just anecdotally because I I wasn't charting it or anything, but it just kind of felt like anytime the flames were stuck, it was Geo and Anderson who were the ones who were stuck. So that that kind of that was what what started it for me, Corey.
4: Well, the only the only knock. I mean that I'd have for on on Geo at times. Um, he he's a big-hearted guy, and sometimes I think he compounds his problems a little bit by maybe trying to do too much. I mean, you can't you rarely fault a guy for that, but sometimes in your own end, you've got to just be a little bit more settled, a little a little more poised. There is time to be aggressive when you're when you're in great position when you can close someone out. Um, I don't know. If when the flames get down, those guys feel a little more pressure to, to get it out of their end, to get the offense rolling. Um, I know Geo as the captain probably feels immense responsibility. So trying to lead by example, I feel like last year it crept into his game a little bit, where at times, especially early in the year, he was trying to do too much, and it got a little ugly at times. Um, they are still figuring things out. We're early in the season, although yet it feels like, well, close to a fifth of the way through. I don't know if they just need to maybe, I don't want to say relax, but not try to do too much at times.
3: That, that's exact, that to me nails, that's the best way that I could put it. It just feels like they're just, they're taking that extra step and they're trying to to make it a home run shift every time. Whereas, And it's ironic because Tanev is just sort of that guy that is so good at that. And maybe that's why we're noticing it so much, Corey, because we've seen number eight who just seems to, to get it when it comes to not doing too much and knowing when to be aggressive and when to sit back.
4: Yeah, he has a real real great knack for it. And you know who it's rubbing off on right now is,
3: is Noah Hannafin. <laughs> yeah.
4: They've they've both been really kind of spot on when, when they like look at Tanev jumping in last night. He only did it once or twice, perfect opportunity. Uh in the game before, um, helping on what was close to being the winner, right down in the slot. So And I've just been impressed at how calm Noah Hannafin's been in his own end and not trying to do too much. And he's such a great skater that sometimes he, like, uses it too much. He's racing all over the place. So, I mean, last night was probably the first little hiccup we've seen from that pairing. And I was always told by coaches they ended up tripping over each other last night because they were too close. It was a bit of a bad read by Tanev. It's better to be too close and tripping over each other the odd time rather than have guys blowing between you. So, um mm. they haven't had too many hiccups, let me tell you this year.
1: <laughs> yeah. It it almost stands out. I was like, "Wait, no, it couldn't have been those two because it, it's just you you're not you're not used to seeing that from those guys." Uh I do want to double back on the, the Anderson Geo conversation for for just one more. Um with the what you were saying with Gio maybe looking to do too much is that something that a coach comes up to him and talks to him about or cuz there there is a rather significant experience gap between Gio and Anderson is that something that your D partner would come up and say hey we got this like just don't don't try to do too much on this like who who talks to the captain about that sort of a thing
4: um it would be his coach i think Gio's a very receptive guy Um, Yeah. And, and Rasmus, I don't know, I don't know him at all personally, but he seems to be pretty level headed and and pretty calm and cool. And they have meshed. I, I, I don't think they've like, I have been, I've been fairly impressed with them at times. Uh, Okay. Yes. Last night, the the puck movement wasn't there. They got stuck in their own end a little bit, but I think Rasmus could talk to Gio. I think they'll work together to sort it out. I don't think that's something where, Oh God, I got to talk to the captain and he's my partner. Geo's not that, not like that at all. He he wants to he wants to be at his best so the team wins. So it means them finding some common balance, making little adjustments. While he he's going to be extremely receptive. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He doesn't seem like the type that'd be, ah, get away, kid. Um, he, he seems like he would be pretty open and honest to those sorts of things. Uh, last one for you. Uh, a lot of talk about the, the improved 200-foot game from uh, Sean Monaghan um, and, uh, to that extent, helping out Johnny Gaudreau and just how that line ha- has been able to to step up. Did, did you see a continuation of that last night?
4: Well, I I've, I've found myself looking looking for 23 again, just a little bit. Um I they they didn't have a poor game. I actually watched some of the shifts defensively again this morning. Not bad. Not bad at all. Like there, there was one that was was a little out of sorts. Um there's not just nothing glaring, but the thing for me in when you're looking at that consistency, he was so involved offensively the other night. He was rock solid defensively. Um I don't know, I just when Sean Monahan, I guess it's the back to the old the same thing we're talking about the flame starts when he is more assertive I just feel like he gets involved earlier he shows up more opportunities present themselves for him when he just kind of sits back and lets the play come to him which I felt he did a little bit yesterday I feel like the flames are missing out and it's not like he did anything incorrectly but to take the team to the next level I think that's where he has to that has needs to be his biggest improvement. I don't know. You tell me what you saw, Peter.
1: Mm -hmm. No, I agree. And, And I think that there, there are a lot of times where it's like, all right, Gaudreau is clicking. And it's like, you don't get those same, like, just taking everything over that you do from, uh, from Gaudreau with Monaghan. And maybe that's unfair to just be, to just say, hey, just be the best player on the ice. That's all I'm asking. Um, cause that, that seems really unfair. But yeah, to your point, like, it, it just feels like there are times where you're looking for him a, a little bit too much. And the, the dude, when he, it's very like almost Dave Anderchuk esque, where he gets in tight and he finishes so well from in there. But once it gets out of that little area, like, I just, I, I, I love the dude as a player for a lot of stretches, but there are times I just want to notice you more, you know.
4: Yeah, and you, you do we try to compare him to Johnny. They're on the same line and they do they set each other up. They're, they work well extremely well together. You do have to remember and in Sean's defense, that the centerman has a lot more responsibility at times, and sometimes mm-hmm. that requires a little more effort, a little more concentration, um, not to take anything away from the wingers in the game of hockey. Um, but just that, that that's something some nights where, and again, like Sean wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't bad by any means last night, but I just like the fact that he was so much more noticeable the game before and not for all of his offensive opportunities, just all over the ice. I wasn't looking for him. He was, he was in the forefront.
1: Yeah. It kind of feels like a, a good summary for a, a lot of the team, kind of, where it's like, it's not that you did a whole lot wrong. It's just that you didn't do enough all the way right. You know, like, it's not like it was a bad game. It just wasn't a great game from the Flames uh, and Monaghan at the, the forefront of that.
4: And if I can give them some credit, as they did start weak defensively, the Flames, but it improved. And then <clears> as a result of it, they started to take that game over and, and towards the End of the third period, they they get a timely goal to pull them within one. And they had some other chances to tie the game up. So if that's a positive, if they can take anything from the game, they kept building. Yes, they had a hiccup in the first period, but they didn't let it sink them, and you can build on that. And then they kept pushing, and their game did improve. It got more fiery. It had more to it as it went on. Just needs to happen, you know, a little bit earlier.
1: Yeah. We'll see if they can make that correction as they play again on Thursday. Corey, this was a lot of fun, man. Thanks for doing this, and we'll chat
4: again soon. All right, thanks, guys, and enjoy the game tomorrow.
1: Yes, you as well. There is uh, Corey Sarich joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Really enjoy our conversations with Corey. uh, And again, happening on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline for takeout and delivery. When you're tired of cooking, call 403-248-3344. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar at 6060 Memorial Drive in the Northeast. We wrap up. Hockey Central at noon coming up next.
0: Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan.
1: Logan Gordon, Peter Klein, back with you today. He's Logan. I'm Peter, if you got it mixed up. Uh, This is Hockey Central at noon as we get ready for the big show, a usual busy Wednesday. On the big show, we have Ian McMillan from Odd Shark, going to help us make some money on the Super Bowl and on the National Hockey League, plus just a stupid amount of college basketball knowledge. Uh, We also have the snow show coming up, which is very fitting, given the dump we just had on us today. Uh, But Logo, uh, a lot of talk about the Flames and the Jets. We're going to continue that as the show goes along. But also, in the NHL last night, I do not know what to make of Montreal, because I thought they would be good. I thought they'd be quite good. But... Like, they are just kicking the tar out of the Vancouver Canucks. And it's like, I I don't know if this is a team that is, like, one regulation loss in 10 games good all year long. I mean, that would be ridiculous to keep that pace up. But, I, I, like, I don't view Montreal as one of the elite of the elite. But when they play Vancouver, they sure look like it.
3: It's weird. I don't know if it's just a, a style thing that, that really Vancouver struggles with, specifically against Montreal. But the Habs have had... Their, they've had their way with with Vancouver this entire season. Yeah. I mean, you, we can make the the Toffoli jokes and everything. Oh, it's that's you know Tyler Toffoli's really you know burning Vancouver. Everyone is burning Vancouver uh, from a Montreal side of things. The the last two games have not been close. A five three um, you know score last night flatters them. It was four one at yeah. one point uh, in the second period. I I don't know if it's just a style thing. I'm. I'm very confused as to what we're getting from the Vancouver Canucks uh, on an overall basis. You you do what everyone seems to do, and that's, you know, uh, beat the Ottawa Senators up, take their lunch money, and leave them crying behind the shed. But everybody does that. But then you go out and you play Montreal, and you have nothing. So where are you? Are you just, you know, like everybody, apparently a step ahead of Ottawa, but... Also, two steps back of the rest of the pack. I'm I'm kind of confused where I sit on Vancouver right now. <clears throat>
1: Excuse me. I'm apparently choked up about this. Yeah, no, I, I'm in the same spot because, like, the no one is as good as they look against Ottawa. The, the, this Sens team is just atrocious. 0-6 uh, on the road, a minus 24 goal differential. Like, just otherworldly terrible. Minus 24 goal differential in 10 games. One of those went to overtime, and they won another one of them. Like, holy smokes, they're bad. So, obviously, Vancouver isn't beating teams 16-3 to in a three-game stretch good, but I don't know if they're this bad. Like, I think they are still going to compete for fourth in this North division. I had them missing the playoffs coming into the season anyway, but I I still... Oh boy, like I, I just, I, I, it's so tough to get a read on them because Montreal has looked like a world beater against them. I kind of want to see what Vancouver looks like against the middle of this North division because I do think Montreal deserves to be in that top tier now and Ottawa is alone in that bottom tier. Like it, it's still, Vancouver is still a very difficult team to get a read on and I think now Edmonton, probably in there as well maybe not as tough because we we kind of know some of the stuff we know that they suck defensively and they have a couple guys offensively who are just better than anyone who they're going to be playing save for maybe austin matthews so it 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 is a little bit trickier around ottawa because they've just been able to outscore their defensive issues um sorry for edmonton against ottawa they've been able to outscore their defensive issues but the Ottawa Senators are making it very difficult to to get a read on any of these teams because they're just so much worse than everyone else.
3: As I look here, I, I think we'll learn a lot about Vancouver in this next series. They get a three they have a three-game set against the Maple Leafs that starts tomorrow and then uh which is a weird three-game set, very nicely spaced out. They have a day in between every game. They go Thursday, Saturday, right. Monday. Um, which, I mean, good for you guys. Uh, but let, let's see here, because you're right. There's sort of that that tier. There's Montreal and Toronto this year. And then it feels like Edmonton, Calgary, Winnipeg, Vancouver, who are you, uh, and Ottawa, you, you probably shouldn't be here, sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so let's see really where, where this winds up for Vancouver after a, a, a real test, because we know Montreal – is clicking on all cylinders, and we know that there's something about them that challenges you. Let's see if uh, I think the Leafs are a good team. They're seven two and one. I'd be stunned if they're not one of the four teams uh, at the end of this in the North Division. So let's see what you do in in four game and three games, excuse me, against them. Where you're not going to have a back to back as an excuse. You're going to have lots of time to adjust and everything like that. Let's really see where you come out on the other side of that. If you're zero and three or zero two and one against it. Maybe I have a better idea of what you actually are.
1: Quickly on the schedule tonight, uh, it is a Wednesday night doubleheader at three thirty. Tampa Bay taking on Detroit. That one probably not why? going to be very close. Why is uh. this a
3: thing? Why, like somebody tell me, like honestly, and I don't mean to interrupt you like this, but why are no, we fine. doing this? You have two games tonight. Two. Yes, that, one of them is the postponed. Get why is this at three thirty in the afternoon? That, that's what I get for. I have no problem with afternoon
1: hockey. I am pro afternoon hockey. I am anti two games on the schedule. Like, because you you look at the Thursday schedule, I, I'm assuming it's rather large, as I have to click the right arrow twice to get through it on the NHL.com um, on the NHL 6, 8, 10,
3: 11.
1: Yeah, could we not move Nashville, Florida to tonight? Like, could we not have done
3: that? Or maybe, I, I get, like, some of these... Maybe 10. These I don't know what back Buffalo's to back, thing but... is, but yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, actually, no, the, okay, okay, the more okay, there's nine there's two teams with covid there's there's nine games on Thursday.
1: yeah, move a couple of them tonight. we don't need we don't need this wild swing in the schedule it's I'm with you. it is very very
3: frustrating. I'm pro um, afternoon games on weekends, I think like when we were in the summer, sure I was okay with it, but now I'm kind of like I got work to do. I got stuff to like I can't just i I want to watch it and i'm I'm sure i'll I'll waste some of my time not doing my job with you guys and paying attention to that for a minute or two, but mm-hmm. but just i just why it doesn't make any sense from a a standpoint like from a like if you're trying to get the brand out there and get more people to watch your game, I don't know that why why three thirty Oh, well, I don't know if detroit tampa Bay is going to do that
1: anyway. Like, oh, hey, look at this. One team can score a lot. Um, but no, I, I understand what you're saying. I'm off at four, so I think it's fantastic. Uh, the other game tonight is Boston against Philadelphia at a much more conventional 6 o'clock start, although that's an 8 o'clock local start, which probably isn't ideal for folks out in Philadelphia. But again, no one's there, so... Whatever, but either way, uh, gonna be a fun one for those two, or for at least one of those games tonight. Uh, I'm Peter Klein at home. Logan is at the Iconic Studio powered by Iconic Electric and Controls electrical construction it's iconic contact them today at iconicec.ca. i'm gonna to try to get this hairball out and we'll come back with the big show as the flames not quite the effort we've seen over the last couple against the winnipeg jets is that cause for concern we'll figure that out on the other side as we get ready for the big show on sports net 960 the Fan.